That's more like it. Hour to the game, Mitch and Troy. David G expecting to be back tomorrow. Tomorrow's our final live show of the week as we have the best of 2021. We do it every year. End of the year, two shows dedicated to the best of the year. That's coming up on Thursday and Friday. Troy and I will be leaving for the bowl game on Saturday. We will have, uh, fingers crossed, a live edition of uh, Wildcat Insider from Houston, Texas on Monday. If you want to call into the show, 537-1350. Tag on a 785 at the beginning of that. You can come on and chat with us as we continue on with Hour 2 of the show. Still to come as well, we have Mitch in Vegas. It's our final picks of the uh, football season. We're going to go through the Big 12 Bulls, which one is getting ready to start here in about 30-ish minutes or so. Also, number one song of the day, Ask Us Anything. And I want to give a shout-out right now to Skylar Thompson. We talked about him in the first hour. If you missed the first hour, on demand tab at newsradiokman.com. And also can search for The Game KMAN on wherever you listen to your podcasts for the first hour of the show. We mentioned that Skylar Thompson's name is listed on the depth chart for the Texas Bowl, which isn't a concrete guarantee that he's going to play. It's a decent sign that he will. We all thought anyway that he would have a good chance to play. Coach uh, Kleiman mentioned in his press conference last week that Skyler, if everything goes well, will be playing a week from today against LSU in Houston. But it was tweeted out just about an hour ago that Skylar Thompson has accepted an invite to play in the 2022 East-West Shrine Bowl. That's coming up February 3rd. That's going to be in Las Vegas. So first of all, nice for Skyler to get a free trip to Las Vegas and uh, play a football game. That means that uh, coming up on January 4th, that won't be the last time Skyler plays in a cat uniform. Mm-hmm. Or I should say in a cat helmet. Mm-hmm. Now, while a cat helmet, he'll get to wear it one more time. Is that one of those games? It's like kind of like the Senior Bowl, like, Everybody just brings like a bunch of their logos and they <laughs> slap other teams' logos on their helmet and like they just meet a bunch of buds and a lo- Scott, yes, S- one of those odd <laughs> traditions that began somewhere along the line. Yeah, coming up on February third, we're going to see power cats on both sides of the helmet. And then you are going to see like a Georgia G at the front. On the back, you'll see uh, an Oregon O. Right. Another one on the side, you'll see uh, Texas State, the Bobcat. There. You also. What else will you find? You'll find. Uh, Let's see, maybe an Illinois eye somewhere. <laughs> at, a, at a point, you start to lose space. I want to see someone just wallpaper the entire helmet with logos. Who would be off limits? Like, Skyler would say, like, no, obviously, do like a Jayhawk. Um, Thank God. Nebraska in, like, oh, boy, that would be that'd be pretty taboo to see that on a Skyler Thompson helmet. Missouri, tech, Missouri tech, M. Texas Tech. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Given. <laughs> Rico Jeffries, he might be playing in this game. Who knows? I don't, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, congratulations to Skyler on this another great achieve- achievement. His Shrine Bowl road to Vegas has begun, so he's going to get a couple more opportunities to uh, maybe show off for the scouts before his uh, name, which is already on the top ten of Mel Kuyper's big board for quarterback. You might be hearing his name called in the uh, draft coming up here in a few months, coming up in April. Where is the draft? This isn't. This is not Arrow. This is in uh, Kansas City, right? This is. Cl- is it Cleveland? Cleveland this year, yeah. The basically uh, real life version of Draft Day. Oh, have you seen that movie? I have not. Thank goodness. Twenty-two. No, it's in Vegas. Oh, it's the in Vegas one, this the year. The last one That's was right. 
was in Cleveland because they had like the house band that was actually really good. Yeah, well, and and on top of it, they got canceled from their initial intent of being in Vegas two years ago. Heck, why, while you're at it, Vegas, you know, and and you know, bring Skyler not only to that Shrine Bowl but also bring him to the to the NFL draft. He's going to be already pretty well adjusted to Vegas. As long as he, I hope he doesn't get drafted by the Raiders, that's for sure. He's got a little process to go through before that. All right, let's talk about this Texas Bowl because there's a lot of people a little bit worried right now, maybe a little even hesitant to want to travel down to Houston for this Texas Bowl. And the, and the reason is because of COVID-19. You're seeing a bunch of spikes all over the country, all over sports. NFL has been greatly affected. The Chiefs were, have been affected. Travis Kelsey wasn't able to play in their last game. NFL announcing just a little while ago that they are adjusting an agreement with the Players Association, to, and it will not matter uh, regarding vaccination or unvaccinated at this point. It's five days. Five-day limitation. If you test positive, five days quarantine. Automatically. Automatically. Like there's no retest. There's no, hey, if, okay, you tested positive. We get you two tests cleared. You can come back. That's probably still in there, but it. But specifically the, the point is if you test positive for it, it's five days is going to be the default. Another big concern is we saw, actually, it was announced just a couple of hours ago, the Holiday Bowl is now not taking place. Right. And that, that game was scheduled to be tonight with NC State and UCLA, but UCLA would basically be a home game for the Bruins. Uh, I kind of I, I feel bad for any Wolfpack fans that made that cross-country trip to California to go watch this bowl game. It's now not going to happen because the LSU, it's basically, or the LSU, the UCLA defensive line is basically everybody has COVID. Like that whole defensive line room is like not going to be able to play. How would you like to have had the year that, NC State had in regards to COVID, having essentially had their NCAA World Series hopes dashed because of coronavirus, and then have your bowl game canceled. Not because of coronavirus yeah. in your case, yeah. but it's, out, yeah. but it's something even out of your hands. It, it probably hurts even more, you know, that something's out of your hands. You made that trip, and it's such short notice that you can't pull another team in to play it. It's As far as I know, it's only the New Year's Six college football playoff that they are ready to, if COVID issue does arise, that they are ready to move the game to a different date. That would only be the championship game. The semifinals will not move because they want to keep the championship game as it is on the 10th, if possible. That would be the only one that moves, though. Yeah. So the semifinals are still locked in. And, of course, you know the college football playoff, they have their own protocols for COVID testing, keep things real. You know, you don't want to... You know, a team would, there's no doubt about it, a team would cheat to to make sure they have the numbers to play a game like that. Alabama arrived two days ago in North Texas in preparation. Bill O'Brien didn't join them until today, clearing COVID protocol, just as an example. But meanwhile, also New Year's Six, like, for instance, the Fiesta Bowl. If something happens with Notre Dame and Oklahoma State, like, they're good to go, instead of ruling it a forfeit, they would just say a no contest or they're going to try to move the game to a different date. I believe they actually have a window up to a week they could move that game and still play. Mm -hmm. But as of the other bowl games that are non-New Year's Six or college football playoff, it's that day or you're not playing pretty much. Let's, let's face it, the UCLA situation, for as much as it angers the NC State folks, I'm sure, they were doing everything they could to get to the point that they could play. 
They were waiting to the last moment in the hopes that someone in that defensive lineman room, that they had enough guys that would be able to play. So what's the default in this situation? Or what's, you know, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't in terms of attempt to play. You you back out early and people are upset at you because you backed out how many days ahead of time. Or you back out hours before the game and people are upset because you waited until the last minute. I don't know how you win this situation. And it's also confusing because the NCAA doesn't have a set protocol no. for anything like this. Uh, no, it, Mark, it's, it's, Mark Emmert has disappeared once yeah, it's again. It's down to the conferences or even individual teams. Like mm-hmm. most, a lot of teams just have their own deal. Mm-hmm. Like they have their own formula, the way they want to do things, and that's the way it's done. Um, I, I would imagine, you know, these bigger bowl games, when you get later in the year, like the Texas Bowl is a great example of, well, there's a pretty good buyout, or I shouldn't say buyout. I don't know why I said buyout. The payout. payout. Mm-hmm. The payout, it's a good sized chunk of money. It's one of the biggest uh, payouts in college football that's not a. New Year's Six or the college football playoff, it's $6.4 million. You know, the SEC and the Big 12 want that nice mm-hmm. chunk of money to be distributed among themselves and, you know, the Big 12 mm-hmm. and SEC, the other the other schools, the other programs. So here's what stands out to me. If you're a K-State fan and you're worried about this, I'm not that worried about this game being canceled. I'll give you a couple of reasons why. Uh, first of all, uh, Coach Kleiman did make a comment on this about COVID nineteen. He is worried about you know the players you know coming back from potentially you know having time with your family during Christmas and coming back and spreading things around and things getting out of hand. Now, K State, it sounds like we just need to get past the team arriving on Thursday. The way they are deciding to do things is they're going to test the unvaccinated when they arrive in Houston. Everything's good. Thumbs up for a bowl game on on a week from today, Tuesday, January 4th. But if you might recall, back in August, which is really the last report we have on this, it was around my birthday, it was announced that the team was just over 80% vaccinated, which you want a higher number than that. You really do. To me, 80% wasn't comfortable because it's too easy, like a UCLA situation where, you know, your whole position group is wiped out and now... You know, you don't have any defensive linemen to play this game. You don't feel like it's fair, so you back out. Eighty um, percent leaves that that kind of situation mm-hmm. wide open. Mm-hmm. Possibly, we don't know like who's vaccinated, who's not vaccinated. You would hope for a higher number, but we, that's the only number we do have. Um, but if K State can get through this one test, you feel pretty good about their chances of playing in this bowl game. Meanwhile, what's the question about LSU? Should we be more worried about LSU getting through testing? You know, you think about, well, you know, it's a southern state. They may do things a little bit more differently, maybe not take things as serious. LSU took things very seriously when it came to the COVID vaccination. You might not remember this, but LSU, it was the beginning of the season. At Death Valley, they actually, to get into the game as a fan, you had to have Mm -hmm proof of vaccination, Mm -hmm. or proof of a negative test. There weren't a ton of schools that were doing that. LSU was one of them. Coach O and the team took this very seriously. LSU back in July, which there weren't many teams doing this either, the team was 97% vaccinated by July. That's an awesome number. Mm -hmm. So I... Coming up tomorrow, we're going to speak with the play-by-play voice of LSU... His name's Chris, and we're going to mm-hmm. ask him about if he knows the protocol, how 
LSU is doing things heading into this bowl game because that could also make a difference on how comfortable we can be heading into the bowl game days ahead, or is it going to be a situation where the game could be called hours before kickoff? That's the last thing we want is a game that close to kickoff being called off. If, if it does have to be called off, I will understand. Like COVID is number one situation. Stay healthy. If we can play the game, we play the game. The thing that stands out about LSU, which, you know, you're right. The vaccination numbers are outstanding, and they've gone through the steps to be protected. But they only have 51 scholarship players that will suit up for this game. That is an exceptionally low number going in, and I think that that should be why a lot of folks are skittish, just because they know people are coming back from Christmas break, and this variant is going around, and it's concerning. Well, here's the deal. If you're an LSU fan, you know going into this game, and this is not COVID-related, you know you're going to be a little bit light yeah. at some positions. You've had a number of guys enter the transfer portal. Damon Clark, who's one of the best linebackers in the country, has opted for the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. LSU fans already know that they're going to be playing some young guys. They're already young at some positions. They now just got younger because of the transfer portal and because of the NFL draft. They have a guy in the secondary who's really good that could opt out at any time, but he has not yet. They have offensive linemen that are NFL worthy. Uh, One of them is out, but there are others that could play as well. As of right now, LSU, they should be able to field a team. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. But it just, as we get closer to the game, I know people are going to worry about this. They're probably worrying right now. I'm not. I'm not worried about this game being canceled right now. There's no evidence out there that says that, well, boy, this game is in question. The only, the only possible evidence you can go off of is just in the grand scheme of things right now with college football and five bowl games being canceled. If that does worry you, okay, I kind of understand that. But those other bowl games isn't affecting K-State and LSU. Those, those guys, they went home. Hopefully you cross your fingers that they were smart and they, they came back home and they did the right things while they were away from the team. And nothing gets spread around. Everybody's healthy. And we have a bowl game to play a week from today. Please, 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 please. KMAN, Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale with you here on the game. And, boy, that uh, first responders bowl has been a really good one. Air Force leading by three with a minute and a half to go. Louisville trying to call some timeouts, trying to stay in this one, but uh, Air Force are pretty close to getting that one done after a 21-point second quarter. All right, let's switch our direction to K-State women's basketball. We're now joined by the head coach of the Cats, Jeff Mitty. His team is now 10-2 and on the year. Coach, just want to know uh, how your Christmas was. You know, Mitch, Christmas was good. You know, got, got to spend a little bit of time with uh, family, and uh, so a little bit different than a year ago with uh, some of the things, but uh, definitely good. How was yours? You know what? wasn't too bad. It was, yeah, like you, I got to spend some time with some family. It was nothing big. Uh, here's here's my next question for you about Christmas. Are you big about receiving gifts, or are you more enjoy? Do you enjoy more just giving the gifts and seeing the reaction? <laughs> uh, I would say giving the gifts. I think um, you know, as you get older, I mean, you know, you it's not like. Uh, it's not like uh, there are um, a lot of gifts that uh, get you necessarily that excited. But it's a lot of fun to uh, 
it's a, and we've got older kids, but so now it's kind of the cousins, and we've got our first grandchild, but she's not really old enough to, you know, she just likes the wrapping paper in the box. So, you know, those things are kind of fun, but it's it's kind of fun to see, uh, you know, some of the other, some of my cousins that have kids and those kind of things. So it's, I think it's fun to see those. I think probably the best part for us this year as a family was that um, we were able to see some family that we didn't get to see a year ago. So, so that was fun for us. And then we had all of our uh, kids and uh, uh, now they're uh, either uh, married, uh, engaged or dating someone. So we had uh, others involved in our family. Speaking with KC women's basketball coach, Jeff Mitty here on the game. Well, I don't think we've actually talked to you since your last victory uh, that was 10 days ago, beating Oregon on a Saturday night in Bramlage Coliseum, 68-56. to Just how good did it feel to pick up that victory and uh, in a game that you led the whole time? You know, yeah, I was really pleased with our group. Just, um, you know, coming into the game, uh, Oregon uh, has uh, – Oregon got back two of their best players for our game. So so they got uh, their leading score back for our game, so Sopoli. They got uh, – India Rogers back, who was our starting point guard, first team All Pac 12. Um, so this was a strong Oregon team coming in, and this was a team that was preseason number ten, but yet they'd had some injuries prior to us. So felt like we did some really good things. Really from uh, uh, really felt like we got the ball inside, but we also had a good balance of scoring. Um, we saw some uh, defensive uh, play that I thought was uh, one of the things I, I had not been pleased with before was that when you talked about the elite offensive teams in the country, we had yet to shut one down and we held Oregon to their lowest field goal percentage. Um, This is an elite offensive team and uh, we held them to the worst field goal percentage of the year. So I feel like we're making progress there. We hadn't done it to South Carolina. We had not done that to North Carolina state. So this was a good step forward. I tweeted about this yesterday. Are you are you blown away to not see K State's name at least receiving votes in the polls? Well, I, I'm not blown away because I don't think, honestly, I don't think uh, I don't think the people that are voting uh, pay enough attention to it, and uh, I don't think they work hard enough at it. If I'm being honest, I don't think there's a. Uh, I think they just write the names down that have been there before, and uh, I don't think they pay enough attention to. Um, wins, losses, what's going on across the country, who's playing, who's, who's, uh, uh, so I, I think that, uh, that's something that in our particular game, it is a real weakness right now of having people that are either involved in our game, writing in our game that are really paying attention. If you look at the men's poll and there's arguments on the men's poll as well, but there's probably, I didn't look, but there's probably 10 or 15 teams receiving votes. In ours, there might only be four or five teams receiving votes. So there's not enough knowledge that goes into, and there's not enough opinions that go into it. Um, and I think it's just real easy to write the same people in. Well, I'm glad you said that because I, I was looking at the poll. I'm like, man, there's a few teams in this poll that K-State has a better resume than right now. But anyway, I'm, the Cats will get in there sooner or later. There's no doubt about that, in my opinion. Um you well, I will say this, Mitch. The polls have become less and less important in terms of your seating for the NCAA tournament than ever before because the people that are on the committee actually watch a ton of games. So they pay very little attention to the polls. And so 
you know, when you're talking about the net now, that is going to become a way more of a factor than, and the polls are becoming less and less. So I feel good about where we're at in the net. We're number 12 in the net, and so this takes into consideration your offensive efficiency, your defensive efficiency, your wins, who your losses are against, where your wins occur, or on the road, home, all those things. So I feel better about that, and I'm, I'd be more concerned about our net ranking than I will be about the polls. I'll tell you one thing I do like to see. That's the old bracketology. We were talking about it earlier in the show, and uh, and uh, your cats are certainly showing up in bracketology right now as a nine seed. But uh, that might be an, another thing with the polls, you know, maybe not look into that too early in the season. But we're talking with uh, K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty. You announced on your radio show a week and a half ago, Rachel Ranke is uh, out for the season. Is Was that news you were expecting, or was there a hope, maybe a long shot to get her in at some point? Yeah, that, it just kept going in a bad direction. And uh, she had injured that way back in September, and she'd seen specialists, and we were hoping to avoid surgery. And so when, you know, and this goes way back, so even when we were talking, you know, there was real hope that we were going to get her back in November. And then she had a significant change in her injury. So then we knew that, okay, this goes all the way back. Then there was some hope that we would get her back. I was hoping that we would get her back maybe the last two games before Christmas because you're always wanting those players, if they can, to get a little bit before conference play. Um, Well, it just never happened. And... um, and her body just wasn't reacting well. And, and when she met with everybody, um, they recommended that surgery was her only option at this point. So, unfortunately, um, no. Uh, it, to say it was a surprise, we were hopeful all the way up until, you know, a couple weeks before Christmas. Since you do still have her, though, I, she's been in game. She's been on the bench. Have you turned her into into Coach Ranky yet? <laughs> You know, Rachel's always going to be Coach Ranky because she she knows exactly what we're running. She's a smart player. She's she's always um, engaged. She kind of loves that part of the basketball. So yeah, we'll utilize her now. She's um, she's going to have surgery here in January, so that's going to limit her and and it's going to limit her ability to travel and do those things. And she's going to uh, spend a little extended time with her family here in Christmas, but she'll be back here. Uh, shortly to campus, and uh, so we'll utilize her as, as best we can. All right. Well, you, you were supposed to play this last Wednesday against UIC. That's Illinois, Chicago, uh, but they had to back out because of their own COVID issues. Was there an opportunity to maybe schedule somebody else, or did that whole situation just not work out? What was the situation there? Yeah, I think our our best hope was we were trying to work with Florida Gulf Coast, and that would have been a great thing. We're number twenty four in the country, and. Uh, they had had some cancellations, and they don't start league play until, you know, I think it's like January 4th or 5th. Unfortunately, they had some problems when they got back to campus on the 26th. And so um, that was probably our best option. Uh, we tried everything we could to get a game on the 22nd before we went home. Um, there were, you know, cancellations, and so we were calling everybody that wasn't Insulation and it just didn't work out for us. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll have a nurse squad scrimmage tomorrow in preparation for our uh, uh, Baylor game, but uh, it looks like right now um, we're, we're not going to be able to fill that spot and we'll just go into conference play here. 
Well, up next, you do have Baylor. It's going to be 15 days between games. Um, I'm sure a lot of your prep is going to be happening with their game. They actually play tomorrow before you host the 10th-ranked Bears. But have, have you seen Baylor make a smooth transition from the Kim Mulkey era now to their new head coach, Nikki Collin? You know, I think it's been pretty smooth. You know, it, um, you know watching them on tape and, and watching uh, their games, they, uh, they, they're extremely talented. And they, uh, like a lot of teams, they've had some transfer portal stuff come in, some transfer portal stuff go out, um, especially with the coaching change. Their style is a little more free-flowing than it was uh, in the past years. They just powered it inside. They're shooting the three more effectively than they have in the past. Um, so they're a uh, they're a very good offensive team, and they've got arguably the best player in the country, and Elisa Smith, and she's got a good supporting cast around her. So um, it's a very very talented Baylor team as always. Yeah, supporting cast. I feel like it's been there forever, uh, Coach. Number 10, Baylor, coming in on Sunday. That's a 1 o'clock tip-off from Bramlage Coliseum, and uh, we'll see you then. Good luck. Mitch, I appreciate it. Glad. Uh, I apologize for being late today, but I appreciate you having me on, all right? I appreciate you calling in. I appreciate it, Coach, and uh, yeah, once again, we'll see you in a couple days. Okay, Mitch. Thanks. Once again, that's K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty here on the game. We're going to catch up up next with uh, some picks to make. Mitch in Vegas is next. Yeah, this just, you know this just doesn't feel like Vegas to me. Oh, I. It just has a weird I'm, feeling I'm, to it. I, I'm, I'm not this an isn't award the Vegas winner. I remember. I'm, I'm not the award winner sitting back here. Stephen can't get back from vacation soon enough to help me out. You know, I, we should try this music thing again. Should be right there on that hotkeys page. Hmm. How could we fix this? I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Uh. There's the bright lights. There's the blackjack table. I f- it's Vegas, baby. It's Vegas. Do you know how out of practice I am doing this stuff? <laughs> Guys, it's time for Mitch in Vegas. Yes, I know, Troy. I know. <laughs> uh, how red am I? I? I wouldn't necessarily call you the Jameis Winston of board ops, but... Ah! Uh, uh, Sam Ellinger, maybe. This is the final Mitch in Vegas for the football season. Um, ten games. We're going to be picking. I'll get you an update here before, uh, and I do have Dave, David G's picks. He sent them to me earlier today. Um, our standings going into the final week of picks. By the way, everybody went 5-5 five and five last week, other than the people. They went 4-6. and six. So Troy is in first place at 36 and 30. In second place is the people, 34 and 32. I'm in third place, 32 and 34. And then the and then David G's in last, 31 and 35. So there, you know, we can jockey for positions in this final week of picks. But since Troy is the leader, he has to pick first in every game. So I can pick games, but I can't. Well, anyway. <laughs> Hey, you're the front runner. You picked to win. I I picked to counter. I got you. So I, can I win. got you. All right. Hit me. All right, let's start with uh our first game which is actually kicking off here in about a minute. 
about 60 seconds away from the AutoZone Liberty Bowl in Memphis. It is 7-5 Mississippi State and 6-6 six six Texas Tech. I believe this should actually be the AutoZone Jerry Springer Bowl because the big storyline is Mike Leach <laughs> and him accusing uh, Texas Tech of still owing him $2.5 million. They have a pending lawsuit, but when it comes to this game, maybe they should have this game determine the lawsuit. Right. Anyway, uh, Bulldogs are a 10 point favorite you going with the cowbells uh i am texas tech's defense has left a lot to be desired through the course of the year and i think leach will have his guys fired up yeah the quarterback rogers for mississippi state's thrown for nearly 4500 yards this season 35 touchdowns it is uh i have to go i think the sec will finally win their first bowl game of uh of the season or the, uh, the bowl season but win by 10 yeah, I'd say by two touchdowns, uh, Mississippi State gets this done. David G., he's going Texas Tech. I couldn't pick against you on this one. I'm too confident about it. By the way, the people say Mississippi State as well. So uh, David G. is the only guy that uh, is not going in that direction. All right, uh, final game of today with the Holiday Bowl being canceled. Another Big 12 team, West Virginia at 6-6, six and six, is taking on Minnesota 8-4 and four in the guaranteed Rate Bowl, Minnesota, a five-and-a-half-point favorite in Phoenix. Oh, that's a nice slice there for Minnesota. I actually expected it to be a little more given as good as their defense has played through the course of this season. That's where West Virginia could wind up having some trouble tonight. They don't have Letty at running back in this game. He's declared for the NFL, and Minnesota's defense has been top ten nationally all year. Gosh dang it. I was hoping you wouldn't know that. <laughs> Letty Brown. I was hoping you'd just look over it, maybe just go on a hunch, pick somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I got him. I got to make a move here. By the way, uh, David G is going Minnesota. I would imagine the people are going Minnesota. They're actually just barely going West Virginia. Oh, my God. You know what? Come on, Jared Daggy. 400 yards passing and five touchdowns. Give me West Virginia because I need the positioning in the standings. All right. Our next game on the docket as we move into uh, we move out of of Tuesday and now we jump into Wednesday. There's two Big 12 games tomorrow and you have Iowa State number 19 Clemson from the Cheese It Bowl, Clemson a two and a half point favorite Troy. Wow, that's again a rather low number going into that game. I'm all on Clemson over Iowa State there. Oh boy, I don't want to pick I don't want to pick Iowa State. I really don't. The people say Clemson. You know what? Just um, I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go Clemson. Two and a half point favorite. Everybody's going Clemson on this one. The other game for the Big Twelve is the night is the main event, the nightcap. And number fourteen Oregon, number sixteen Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl, San Antonio. Oklahoma is a six and a half point favorite. They're they're the only favorite in the Big Twelve wow. other than K State. I don't understand how. They are, given that their defense has had issues through the year. I think this is the type of game that Oregon can get well in. I'm going to make a bold pick and go with the quack attack. I, I think this is an easy counter for me. Oklahoma's six and a half point favorite, win by seven, and you're good to go. The thing is, Oregon is banged up. I don't know how healthy they're going to be for tomorrow. Meanwhile, Oklahoma, everybody's banged up. That's the story. Meanwhile, Oklahoma is going through some st- transfers right now. But come on, Caleb. Come on, buddy. <laughs> Get this W for me. Uh, DG in this one has said Oregon like Troy, and the people say 
Oklahoma. Mike Leach looks awfully good there in that black uh, sweater that almost looks like uh, almost looks like John Belushi's college sweater from Animal House. Says state emblazoned across the front. Shall we move on to the New Year's Six? PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, January 1st at noon. Good God. Notre Dame and Oklahoma State. Notre Dame, the last team, the first team out, I should say, the playoff. They are a two-and-a-half point favorite. That makes sense that they're a two-and-a-half, given the national media loves Notre Dame stories. Oklahoma State is my pick in that one. Gosh dang it. I was going to take the Cowboys because this is going to be a low-scoring game, and I feel better about Oklahoma State in a low-scoring game than I do Notre Dame. Even though uh, the Fighting Irish are just just one loss on the t- on the season, but now I have to pick Notre Dame as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I, I'm just waiting for the Mitch Gambit to come up here. Two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, DG likes that as well, and uh, the people say Oklahoma State. A lot of splits, a lot of 2-2 splits here. Let's go to the Sugar Bowl, presented by Allstate at 7.45 on ESPN on the 1st. Number seven, Baylor. Number eight, Ole Miss. And it is the Rebels, a one-and-a-half-point favorite, pretty much a pick I would favor Baylor in that game, given their defense and how well it has played down the stretch. David G. says Baylor. The people say Baylor, but I'm going to go, of course. You know where I'm going, and that's Ole Miss. Who else do we have here? Oh, yeah. The Tax Act Texas Bowl. Maybe when Coach Kleiman wins it, they can put a bunch of tax returns on in a, in a cooler and dump that on uh, there on Coach Kleiman there. It, it's becoming a pretty uh, rote tradition at this point, isn't it? But, but it kind of getting old quick. Maybe, maybe put, but since it is the in, it's the first of the year, the fourth of the year, but a new year, maybe yeah. put a bunch of W-2s. In a, in a uh, bucket and oh, dump that boy. on Coach Kleiman. Uh, the Cats and uh, Tigers of LSU, K-State a three-and-a-half-point favorite in Houston. I'm going Cats. I think it's kind of an obvious, given the line of discussion that we've already had. Uh, LSU's roster leaves a lot to be desired going into that game. Yeah, everybody's picking K-State in this one. We have three more games to go. Our next two takes us to the college football playoff new year's eve the first one is from jerry world at&t stadium in arlington the cotton bowl four seats cincinnati number one alabama 230 espn alabama is a 13 and a half point favorite i'm going to pick whatever you don't pick (laughs) uh i think the number is way too high i'm going to go cincinnati because I think that that is just too wide of a spread. I have faith in the Bearcats. Alabama wins by 17, although I do want Cincinnati, of, of course. I want them to pull off the upset. That would be incredible. The uh, Let's see here. DG, he has taken Alabama. The people say Cincinnati. Very really? close. Very close vote, 51-49. All right, our next playoff game. For the semifinal, by the way, we're not picking a national champion because there's no game to pick yet. But for the Orange Bowl, Miami, Florida, Hard Rock Stadium, number three, Georgia, number two, Michigan, 630 ESPN, the Georgia Bulldogs, a seven and a half point favorite. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the dogs in that one. I think that their defense will rally from what happened to them 
in the contest against Alabama. I think that there's been enough discussion about what the offense is for Georgia, that they're going to be confident coming in, that there'll be a good game plan. I'm going to put it on the dogs. I don't know if I could pick a team to win that had to come from behind and beat Nebraska. So I say Michigan backdoors and loses by three points. Okay. Georgia wins by three. And then finally, our garbage game of the week. And some folks got a little bit offended that I picked this game. <laughs> Let's see. I got to scroll through here and find it. It is the Rose Bowl. Four o'clock, January 1st, the granddaddy of them all. Number 11, Utah. Number six, Ohio State. Ohio State, a four and a half point favorite. I'm going to flip the script and go Utah on that one. I'm glad because I'm taking Ohio State. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm taking Ohio State. I do not believe in a Pac-12 champion. Even though I know Oregon won earlier this year against Ohio State, I'm going the not losing two games this year to the Pac-12. That's going to do it for Mitch in Vegas. Uh, let's squeeze in number one song. That's going to end the show coming up next. You're listening to The Game on News Radio KMAN. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company presents and Doug. Well, I tried to make it Sunday, but I got so damn depressed. That I set my sights on Monday And I got myself undressed I ain't ready for the altar I love But song. I do agree this time Big fan of America And a woman sure can be a friend of mine Well I keep on thinking about you Sister Golden from 1975, Sister Golden Hair by America, one week at number one. America's one of those bands, I was actually a little surprised they didn't have a couple more number ones. They, their sound was perfect for the time to reach that kind of plateau. They did it. This is their second number one. The other one, if you might know, America was the band that did that song, Horse With No Name. Mm-hmm. But my favorite song by America is Ventura Highway. That's a good song. Well, the trio that calls himself America, they're actually from London, England. The irony of it. Yeah, they they formed the band in 1970. They all went to the same high school together. The reason they are uh, in London is because they're... Their dads were all in the Air Force, and so that's how they, they kind of got to know each other, and um, they ended up moving back to the United States. But they actually, they didn't get the name of their band from their father's roots. The name America, from the America Americana Jukebox, you remember those? Yeah. I don't. You're the elder of the show, so I figured you might know. I, I don't know brands of jukeboxes. I remember jukeboxes for sure. I think there's still one at one of my favorite restaurants over up there in uh, Vining, Kansas. 
It's pretty close to Morganville. Got it. Well, the group, a little unusual. They have the roles of uh, their three members kind of highly interchangeable. They all can do whatever. Uh, but whoever usually wrote the song is the one singing it. Unfortunately, Dan Peck, he passed away at the age of 16 in his home in Farmington, Missouri. So the other two, they continue to record material, and they tour regularly. I saw a concert of them a couple of years ago, and they sound great. They were inducted in the Vocal Hall of Fame in 2006, received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2012. But it's insane to me that they're not, they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That That's crazy. That's one of those bands that are up there that I'm like, how are they still left out? The sound just matches so much at the time that you would think that they would be in the Hall of Fame. They put together 21 studio albums. They've had 11 top 40 hits, and this was their second of two number ones. Let's hear it one more time. i got to play it once, once again. I love the guitar in it. And most of the music is all, you know, acoustic-based. From their fifth studio album called Hearts, the band said that the song was based on a composite of real different girls. Sister Golden Hair, who's that, right? Well, it wasn't any of their sisters or anything. And when asked if it was written to anyone, they said no. The lyrics were actually just based off the works of Jackson Brown. Not really familiar with Jackson Brown. I've heard of him, but I couldn't tell you any of his songs. This song is actually pretty famous for a, because of a, a scene on a TV show. As a matter of fact, it kind of popped back up in uh, some of the charts because of this TV show. It was used in a bloody scene in a 2001 episode of The Sopranos. In the episode, Another Toothpick. The mobster kills two people and the song plays on the car radio as he drives off. Maybe one of my favorite parts about this, you probably heard of George Martin, producer. Mm -hmm. He produced basically every hit by the Beatles. Yep. Well, he had one number one that was away from the Beatles. That he produced. And you're hearing it right here. I thought that was a nice little factoid. Little Beatles draw to America. Even though America was also from England. But not Liverpool. From another L called London. That's going to do it for the show. Big thanks to Troy across the glass running the show and also co-hosting the show. Double duty there. Did it for years. Don't brag. I'll get the hang someday. David, you will be back tomorrow. we got a full two hours coming up tomorrow. Four to six.